Good morning, everyone. Isn't that wonderful morning? Even though we have rainy outside, we are safe in here, even though it's not permanent structure. You see, when we go to heaven, we will not have rain. We will have deuce, maybe. (laughs) Now, well, when I come to uh, England this time of the year, I expected very cloudy day, dense fog, and rainy all day, every day. That's what I expected. But I mean, the uh, last couple of days, it was wonderful weather Lord gave us, didn't He? So we praise God. Just as I told you yesterday, we have to train our lips, praising God every time. Even though we see the troubles and problems in our life ahead of us. We have to learn to train ourselves to praising God all the time. Now, actually, if you want to overcome your sins and obstacles in your life, please train yourself to praising God. It is very, very important. It's very easy to be trapped, complaining and murmuring all the time. And thinking and talking about negative things, your failure and mistakes you did in your past. Don't do it. But Jesus Christ is new every day. You know, I'll tell you one thing. Whatever happened in my life yesterday, you see, when I come up, When I am redirected as a new person every morning, and I say, Lord, yesterday is gone. I thank you so much. Now you gave me a new opportunity, new day, new chance. So I want to live this day for you. You know, devil is trying to put the the thoughts into my heart, into my mind, oh, David, you failed on these things and that things yesterday or last week, you see? You cannot live perfectly today. Do you know what I'm talking about? That insinuations of Satan, you have to block it by the power and grace of Holy Spirit. You have to do it. You, you, you have to learn to be firm every day. You know, we never know. We never know. Except we are going to get up every morning. You see, it's the grace of God and His power. We are being resurrected every morning. Do you know that? I know one pastor. When I pastored in Chicago, one time he came to our our meeting, American pastor, the pastor's meeting, and he told us a few days ago, his wife passed away. You know, the story was, well, he and his wife went to bed together. In the morning, he woke up, but, but I mean, his wife didn't wake up. And well, he thought that his wife was retired and uh, gone to oversleep, actually. So he went to the kitchen and prepared the breakfast for himself and for his wife. He waited and waited, and his wife never woke up. And he shook a little bit. Honey, it's time to wake up. He didn't move nothing. She died, heart attack, during that sleep on that night. My brothers and sisters, every refreshed blood, heart pumping, you know, 
our nostrils, we breathe in the fresh airs. This is gift of God for every day. God has given us new day, which means God is willing to forget all the past and mistakes and sins in our past life. If that's one condition, if we would like to forget and give up and confess, then He is more than willing to forget everything and start a new life with us. You see, these should be experience for you and I every day when we get up. I think this is very important. Now, today, I am going to talk about sermon, I would like to call it, More Than Elijah. Well, as a matter of fact, I wrote uh, this sermon uh, as an article, and I put this in our magazine. Well, this is the one of the magazines look like. The, uh, it says, Our Firm Foundation for Koreans. <laughs> this is one of our magazines. And in July issue, I wrote the sermon I'm going to preach now in the article in this magazine. Let me ask one question to start with. How many of you have seen or met Elijah in your life? Would you raise your hand, please? No one? Are you sure? No one in this tent? No one have met Elijah before? Or oh, you have? There's one person. I appreciate that very much. I mean, are you sure? You never met Elijah before? Yes. <laughs> Someone said yes. <laughs> well, actually, you're confused by my question, aren't you? Let me clarify, okay? Well, let's turn Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. It says this way. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now here God promised he is going to send Elijah before the coming of the day of the dreadful, dreadful day of, of the Lord, he said. Now, the Malachi was written far after the time of Elijah. So this must be, God is talking about not first Elijah, but second or third or fourth or fifth Elijah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which means he is talking about the person who will come for the church with the spirit and power of Elijah. So this is talking about more than Elijah's. This is talking about real Elijah's. This is talking about more than Elijah's. You know... If we open Matthew chapter 11, 
We'll see something here too. Matthew 11. Come with me to Matthew 11. Verse 12 and 13. I will read. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by, by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is who? Elijah, who is to come. I mean, you better believe this, because our Lord Jesus Christ applied this Malachi prophecy directly to John the Baptist. So you better believe there are more Elijahs than Elijah himself. I'll tell you what, there are Elijahs nowadays. Even though you do not recognize them, there are Elijahs. Hear me right. Plural, I said Elijahs. I didn't say the Elijah. As a matter of fact, if you, if you tra travel to Korea, there's a one, one person uh, in rural area. And he has about 5,000 following now. Well, he, he, he used to be a pastor of the SD, SDA Reformed Church. Now, he went out from SDA Church now. And he, he proclaimed himself to be, be a, the Elijah sent by God for this world. Now he's claiming to become a Messiah, a second coming Christ himself. Can you believe it? And 5,000 people follow him. Folks, I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about spiritual Elijah sent by God for the church. Whether you recognize him or not, there are Elijahs in the church. I can see it. Now, Jesus Christ applied this prophecy to the John the Baptist first. Well, you, do you want to see Elijah? Well, this is the Elijah you, you, you have been expected so long. But they rejected Elijah. Now, let's go back to uh, Luke now. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the mission of Elijah. Bring God's people to back to the wisdom of the just. Oh, you know... Everywhere I go, I see Seventh-day Adventist people having a confused idea about what is the righteousness, what is being righteous in the Lord, what is the perfection experience, what is the sanctuary message. I see many Adventists all scattered in the world confused about the justification experience. You know, in last days, God promised in Malachi chapter 4, as, you know, as I see, my Bible says so, says so to me, that God is going to send more than Elijah to turn His children back to the wisdom of the just and make them to prepared for the coming of the Lord. Before the day 
of coming of the dreadful day of our Lord. You see? Now can you say you have seen the Elijahs before? You must have. Now, it says someone doesn't have to look like Elijah. Someone doesn't have to be Jew. But it's talking about spirit and power of Elijah. That's what Bible says. That's what, what, what the angel said to the parents of John the Baptist. As he described of the mission of John the Baptist. Now, let's go to chapter 1 of John now. Gospel John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. I will read. Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. This is strange rather, isn't it? What Jesus Christ called John the Baptist, he is Elijah. And the priest and the people and rabbis went to, went to John the Baptist and asked, asked are you the coming? Are you the Messiah? And no, I'm not a Messiah. Then are you the prophet Elijah? He said, I am not. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's happening? Oh, my brothers and sisters. He, here's a paradoxical thing here. Even though God sends someone with the mission, with the spirit and power of Elijah, but the person never claims himself as Elijah. Here's the beauty of the gospel here. God can send you to somewhere with the power and spirit of Elijah. But you never can claim yourself to become Elijah. Why? Actually, we are just being an earthen vessel, channel, so that the message of God can go through, and the power and spirit of the Lord can go through. We are just nothing but instrument and tool in the hand of God. So actually, there's a work and mission of Elijah, but you cannot say, you are the Elijah. This is the Bible teaches about more than Elijah. Isn't that beautiful? Now, well, I'm going to have to uh, just skip some uh, reading verses. Uh, and I'll tell you just this way. Do you know the Bible is talking about, well, uh, maybe I, I have to read just one more. The uh, Bible is talking about what is the dreadful day of the Lord? What is the dreadful day of the Lord? Will someone answer to me, please? A second coming? Okay, someone else? What is the dreadful day or fearful day of the Lord? Judgment day. Well, you're right. But I mean, specifically, what kind of phenomena is going to come along with that day? Plagues, yes. And then, specifically, what? We'll read, okay? Now, Joel chapter 2, verse 31. Joel. Joel, 
jo- Joel. Is that Joel or Joel? Joel. Uh, Joel. Okay. Oh, you're translating in the back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Joel, chapter 2, verse 31. Okay. It said, The sun shall be turned into what? Darkness. And the moon into what? Blood. Before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. What is dreadful day of the Lord? Which means before the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord, there will be special phenomena in heaven and earth. The sun will be turned into the darkness and then moon into the bloody. You see? Now this is the description of the Joel, our prophet. Okay, then that tells me this. You know, in, in some point of time in the past in our history, There was a time we had experience. When was it? When was it? Before 1844. You see? Okay. Well, actually, uh, late 1700 and early 1800. So before 1844, before the judgment, the investigative judgment starts, God gave this phenomenon in this world. But I, and I, and I know one more thing. We can further, we, we can go further. And do you know what? If you read a great, great controversy in the latter part, Ellen G. White describes, before Jesus comes, before Jesus comes, when we experience the time of Jacob's trouble, the sun will be darkened again. Darkened again. Do you know that? Have you read it? Yes. So which means, you know, Joel's, this prophecy can be accomplished, can be fulfilled in later date again too. So what I'm saying is this. You see, Elijah came back in the form of John the Baptist on the day, at the day, at the time of Jesus Christ. And then Elijah came back around 1844. And I dare to tell you, Ellen G. White was the sent by God. And she was one of the Elijahs. I have assurance on that. Because before that, before the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord, God sent an Elijah, which was our prophet. Beloved prophet. I love Ellen G. White, don't you? Oh, without her, how can we prepare ourselves to meet that crisis day? You know, I love her so much. The more I read her, her writings, the more I fall in love with her. What a prophet do we have. And then we make all kinds of excuses. We do not know how to, how to make ministry. How, we do not know how to, how to preach. We do not know how to witness. How to follow the health reform. Many people, they make excuses and excuses. While we have a a bunch of stuffs written by, by the inspired word. Isn't that strange? Ellen White was one of those Elijahs. Now, follow me uh, more. Now, and then, since this Joel 2 verse 31 experience is going to be repeated in the, in the future, will God send another more than Elijah's 
quote-unquote plural to our days? Nowadays? Most certainly yes. Whether you recognize them or not, you must have read the messages of Elijah in the book form, in the pamphlet, in the magazine, on cassette tapes, on videotapes, and sermons. God has sent modern-day Elijahs nowadays. You have seen them, but they do not claim themselves to become a Elijah. Like the spirit of John the Baptist, they humble themselves. But they are the ones who sent by God to the church. You see, all these Elijahs were rejected by the church. Modern Elijah's messages are going to be rejected by the church as well. All the, all the things in the Bible are going to be repeated. Do you know why? Ellen White said history will be repeated. Do you know why she said that? One reason. The selfishness and corruptible, corrupted and sinfulness of human being never changes. They repeat the same mistake even though they have the light of the history. They do it again. You see, God is God because He doesn't need experience to know something. He doesn't need experience. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to sin to know about sin. God is God. He knows everything without experience. That's why He's God. But human being, unfortunately, after we have fallen. You see, we have to experience something in order to know uh, graphically, is that what you say? We'll, we'll, to, to really know, you have to experience it. That's why modern day, especially Adventists, they repeat the mistakes that our pioneers did. What a sad picture it is. That's why the, the most safest way to follow is follow the counsel of Ellen G. White, one of, the, one, of the, one of the modern Elijahs. I love her. Let me read it to you from now on, from the pen of inspired words of Ellen G. White. I found this from Volume 4, SDA Bible Commentary. Page 1184, it goes this way. Listen very carefully. In this age, just prior to the second coming of Christ in the clouds of heaven, God calls for men who will prepare a people to stand in the great day of the Lord. Just such a work as that which John did is to be carried on in these last days. The Lord is giving messages to His people through the instruments He has chosen, and He would have all heed the admonitions and warnings He sends. The message preceding the public ministry of Christ was, Repent, publicans and sinners! Repent, Pharisees and Sadducees! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Our message is not to be one of peace and safety, as the people who believe in Christ soon appearing, we have a definite message to bear. Prepare to meet thy God. Our message must be as direct 
as was that of John. In this time of well-nigh universal apostasy, God calls upon His messengers to proclaim His law in the spirit and power of Elijah. As John the Baptist, in preparing a people for Christ's first advent, called their attention to the Ten Commandments, so we are to give with no uncertain sound the message, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is to come. With the earnestness that characterized Elijah the prophet and John the Baptist, we are to strive to prepare the way for Christ's second advent. Did you hear this, my brothers and sisters? Does this statement stir you up? It does to me. Ellen White, who is one of the Elijahs, calling us to become a modern-day Elijahs. What do you do about this? I'm serious on this, on this stop here. She is calling us to become modern day Elijahs, even though we do not claim to become Elijahs. We must do something about that. Because God is calling. I'm going to read one of rather strange statements by Ellen White. It was written in... Prophets and Kings, you know that book well, page 235, she said this. Listen very carefully. The work of Elisha as a prophet was in some respects very different from that of Elijah. To Elijah had been committed messages of condemnation. What? Condemnation and judgment. His was the voice of fearless reproof, calling king and people to turn from their evil ways. This was the message and spirit and power of Elijah. And God is calling us to become modern-day Elijahs. But I have to warn you at this juncture, if Holy Spirit doesn't give you such a burden to burst to give this straight testimony or stern rebuke, you shouldn't do that. You should refrain your mouth from it. You know why? We should not become false, Elijah. There are some people I know, they're doing it with strange fire, with human indignation and anger. I heard them. When they say it, they say it with their personal anger and bitterness. Man, I'll tell you, it's so harmful to the church. It will not awaken people. It will just hurt people. It will just turn people off from the gospel. We should not do that. But if Holy Spirit gives us a burden if we do not say anything to our people and brethren we love very much and we feel like it will be burst like, like a balloon you know it's coming up and up like a big balloon and, and, and it's, just at some point of time it may be burst out you want to say something you want to, you want to tell them about, about the situation then you better do it if you don't do it the blood of the souls are going to be put on your hand. Amen. 
That is chapter 20 of Ezekiel, isn't it? It's very, very serious matter. You, when you follow Jesus Christ, Jesus said what? When you follow me, you take up your own cross and come. He said this, you take up your own cross. You come, follow me. It means Jesus is going toward some direction. Going. Take up the cross. Follow me. He didn't say, take up the cross and stay there. Follow him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Amen. You see, because we do not know where he is going to lead us to. Sometimes it's humiliation. Sometimes it's a bad reputation. That's a losing of all popularity. Sometimes losing your family members. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, brothers and sisters. You know, when I was called by God, I'm not talking about into the ministry. I'm talking about repentance, real repentance, as, as I shared with you yesterday afternoon. When He called me, I didn't know. I surely didn't know where He was going to lead me to. I surely didn't know. If I knew, I, I would be very scared, you know. That's why He doesn't tell us where He's going to lead, lead us to, you see. And as I was following Jesus Christ, and I tried my best to take up my cross, you know, I, I failed time to time, you know, but I tried my best to follow him with my cross on. And, you know, he led me to the point that I do not have any popularity or reputation whatsoever. I feel so lonely, so frustrated. The people that I baptized turned their back against me, my friends, or, or you know, my, some of my relatives. I was so lonely. I, I, was, I was devastated, you know. You know what? Through that experience, I began to understand my Lord Jesus Christ. How lonely He was when He was in this world. When He was, he was rejected by people. The people that he came to save. Oh, was he lonely? Was he was he hurt? Was he suffering? I really began to understand about loneliness and being rejected experience of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Oh, friends, when we are called by God, we do not know where Jesus Christ is going to lead us to, but we have to go. To follow. And then Jesus says another thing. You come, follow me, and then learn of me. Oh, that's one of the most hard, hard, hard part, part to learn of Jesus Christ. You see, taking up the cross, following him, you know, and then learn of him. You see, Jesus, sometimes when I, when I see the, uh, the way Jesus Christ, Christ reacted and treated people, when he was rejected and cornered by people, and I said, Lord, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding, you know. You treat these people this way, this good, this nice, this kind. I could not understand. I, Lord, I can never do this. And on the other hand, and I think and say, Lord, yes, I want to learn. As a humble servant, I want to kneel before you. I want to learn of you. 
And do you know what Jesus says? I'm meek and lowly. If you learn of me, your burdens are going to be so light, it'll be easy to bear. You know, when you have grudge, when you bitterness towards someone, oh, that, oh, that cross is, cross is so heavy. Have you ever felt that before? Oh, man, that's so heavy, you cannot bear. You want to give up. But if you give your bitterness and that grudge, the hatred told your people, I don't care who they are. If you turn them over to Jesus Christ, suddenly your, your cross becomes so light, you can bear, it feels fine. Because that's what it is. That's what Jesus is calling us for. Oh, I wish I can tell you what and how Jesus Christ taught me in the last six years in my life. Oh, those precious moments. I wept a lot. I frustrated. I, 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 I despaired time to time. But Lord taught me great lessons. I will never trade with million dollars. Because those precious experiences will take me through the time of trouble. And I know that. And I'm so thankful to my Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Savior, you know. He's my Savior. <clears throat> so, Elijah, let's go back to the topic. Elijah's message, Elijah's message is a condemnation and judgment. Reproof, strong reproof. His mission was di totally different than the mission of Elisha was followed by, followed by, right? Okay, let's go on. Go on. Now I'm going to read the uh, same book, uh, Prophets and King, for, uh, page 140 through 142. I'm going to just read it randomly, okay? Listen to this. Very interesting. Those who place themselves in Satan's power are unable to see things as God sees them. When the mirror of truth is held up before them, they become indignant at the thought of receiving reproof. Blinded by sin, they refuse to repent. They feel that God's servants have turned against them and are worthy of severest censure. When they hear the truth and stern rebuke and reproofs, by, by the, another Elijah sent by God. They refuse because they are blinded by sin. By the power of Satan, they are unable to see things as God sees them. Do you know something? When you see the truth, we have to see the truth like Jesus sees the truth. Otherwise, we do not really understand the truth. How can you prepare your heart like Jesus? How can you prepare your character like Jesus Christ when you do not see the truth like Jesus sees it? We have to seize the truth clearly like Jesus sees them. How is it possible? By receiving the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, it's possible. Because of the lack of this experience, people, they rejected Elijah. And his message. Now, you listen to this now. And she went on this way. 
today there is need of the voice of stern rebuke. For grievous sins have separated the people from God. Infidelity is fast becoming fashionable. We will not have this man to reign over us, is the language of thousands. The smooth sermons so often preached make no lasting impression. The trumpet does not give a certain sound. Men are not cut to the heart by the plain and sharp truths of God's word. There are many professed Christians who, if they should express their real feelings, would say, What need is there of speaking so plainly? You don't have to say that plainly. You hurt feelings. Oh, they might as well ask, Why need John the Baptist have said to the Pharisees, Oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why need he have provoked the anger of Herodias by telling Herod that it was unlawful for him to live with his brother's wife? The forerunner of Christ lost his life by his plain speaking. Why could he not have moved along without incurring the displeasure of those who were living in sin? So men who should be standing as faithful guardians of God's law have argued till policy have taken the place of faithfulness and sin is allowed to go unreproved. When will the voice of faithful rebuke be heard once more in the church? Wow. What words? What reproof? This is kind of words spoken by the Elijah, our, our last day prophet, Elijah White. What words? What words? I have to read you some more. Please allow me. Those ministers who are man-pleasers, who cry, Peace, peace, when God has not spoken peace, might well humble their hearts before God, asking pardon for their insincerity and their lack of moral courage. It is not from love for their neighbor that they smooth down the message entrusted to them, but because they are self-indulgent and ease-loving. True love seeks first the honor of God and the salvation of souls. Those who have this love will not evade the truth to save themselves from the unpleasant result of plain speaking. What words? When souls are in peril, God's ministers will not consider self, but will speak the word given them to speak refusing to excuse or pillorate evil. And then she went on to say, God cannot use men who, in time of peril, when the strength and courage and influence of all are needed, are afraid to take a firm stand for the, for the right. He calls for men who will do faithful battle against wrong, warring against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is to such as, as these that he will speak the world, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Oh, my word. What a word. One more, one more text, and we'll go on. This is 119, same book, Prophets and Kings, 119. She said this. And while he came to the people as a reprover of sin, his message offered to balm of Gilead, to the sin-sick souls of all who desired to be healed. You see, strange, when I, when I went to Celebration Church, I'm going to talk about Celebration Church in, in, in a little while. I went one in Los Angeles. When I went there, you know what they were talking about? You see, we are having this worship service, worship service to heal the sick, to heal your, your wounds of your souls. I'll tell you, that's not what the way Ellen White said. Our prophet said to healing the sin-sick soul, which is the balm of Gilead, is true message as a reprover of sin. The message of Elijah, Ellen White called the bomb of Gilead. Do you know the song? There is a bomb in Gilead. I love that song. You see? You see, the bomb of Gilead is not, oh, that's okay. Well, you can sin one, one, you know, once in a while, here and then. You are weak, you are simple, we understand. Well, just, just come, just believe in Jesus. You know, you'll be okay. God is going to save you. That is not the bomb of Gilead, my friends. Bomb of Gilead is let them know what is their true condition. Let them know what is their mistakes and sins and apostasy. Because, of their, because we love their souls. Oh, please come back. Oh, God wants to treat you and heal you. That's the bomb of Gilead, my friends. I'm sick and tired of hearing hear the sermons and saying, oh, trying to comfort people without saying and telling them the true condition of their souls. This morning as well, I'm going to tell you, how is your soul with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? How is your soul with God this morning? Are you right with God, your soul? Do you have known sin in your life? Are you, do, are you doing deliberately the things God commanded you to do, not to do? You better come back to the Lord before He comes. There will be a dreadful day is going to come. The close of probation is going to come upon the church and the world. I'll tell you what. Do you know what I believe? I believe we are living in the day of the judgment for the living. Amen. We are living in very, very, very solemn days, my friends. You better be right with the Lord now. Maybe this will be last chance for your soul. You know, this is the bomb of Gilead. You see, if, if my, if my daughter, if my daughter is going away from my place, going to the cliff, she doesn't know. Sooner or later, she's going to be, you know, just drop, fall off from the cliff. She will die. It's so far distance. I cannot catch her. Then what do you do? 
I'll do anything to save my daughter. I bet you I'll do, any, I'll do anything to save my daughter. Even I have to throw the rock and break her leg, I will do it because I love her. I want to heal her. I want to hold her. I want to save her life. That is the message of Elijah. That is the message of Elijah. And people say, no, that's just too much, that's too severe, too plain speaking. You don't have to do that. It's needless things. Who says so? Bible and spirit prophets doesn't say so. But I warn you at this point, when you do that, you do that when you know that Jesus Christ filled your heart with love for souls. Without the love for souls, you should not preach these messages. I'll tell you one story. There was a time that mm, when I pastored in, pastored in Tampa, Florida, whole our family went out to picnic on the beach on Sunday. And uh, it was very, very clear day. It was very nice to walk on the beach. You know, our whole family, two daughters and my, my wife and me, we went. Oh, I'm sorry. My, I'm sorry. My second daughter was not, was not born at that time. My, my daughter Susan and my wife and I, we three of us, we went there. And while we was walking on the pier, and my daughter Susan says, "Oh, Daddy, I want to hold that, hold that, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the bottle of the juice." Because I was holding a bottle of the orange juice to drink. I said, oh, Daddy, let me hold that. Let me hold that. Well, it may, it may be dangerous. I mean, you cannot hold that. Oh, Daddy, I, I, I can hold it. Please let me hold it. So I, have, so I gave it to her. And she was holding it like this. And you know what? Without, without me knowing it, she began to run. Oh, Susan, please don't. And by I, I was speaking that word, she just tripped over with that bo- glass bottle of the juice. And then she just fell on the ground, and she began to cry and scream. I knew Im- immediately what happened. I ran to her, and I saw and watched. Oh, Susan, please don't. And by I, I was speaking that word, she just tripped over with that bo- glass bottle of the juice. And then she just fell on the ground, and she began to cry and scream. I knew immediately what happened. I ran to her and I saw and watched. Her, her right hand, wrist right here, was cut so deep. And I could see white things. Maybe it was a, it was a bone or it was a white tender. Tender. Oh! You know, in that situation, men are cowards. Do you know that? <laughs> Husbands do not know what to do. But wives, mothers, they're so brave in that situation. I, I have learned that, you know. And uh, uh, well, my wife uh, trained as a registered nurse, you know. So she worked in the operating room for many years. So she has, she has a gut to see those, those kind of things. She's case, well, she came and said, well, what should I do, honey? And she said, what do you mean, what should I do? And then she went to the store and got the ice and the, some, uh, some handkerchief and uh, and put it on, 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 on the wrist of my daughter. I said, well, honey, let's go. Where? <laughs> you know, I, I, I was really confused and scared. To the hospital. So, oh, yes, hospital. So I took her and I ran. And then I, I got, into, got into the car and I drove. You know, 
No traffic nine, no speed limit. I just drove like 90 miles per hour. I mean, I didn't care about police. But I, was, I, was, I, I wanted to save my, my, my daughter, you know. So we, we, we went to the hospital. And then, you know, something happened there. In the hospital emergency room bed, the doctor was doing a suture, you know, uh, binding them up, suturing. And then this, this doctor asked me, well, daddy, come, you hold his hand while I'm doing the suture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could not do that. I, I was, I, at first, I was doing the whole like this, and then when he had a big needle like this, oh, no, I can't do this. I would feel much better if he does it to me. Oh, fathers and mothers, have you felt that before for your children? We know our love for our children, don't we? I'd rather he suture my body than my, my daughter's body. I felt so sorry for her. I love her so much, that's why. And then, you know, I said, well, well doctor, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I, I feel dizzy, and I said, well, honey, please come and you do it. <laughs> so my wife came in, and she held her hand. But you know what? I was standing outside of that door, walking back and forth and back and forth walking. But don't you tell me this daddy was not suffering with my daughter at that time. Don't you dare to tell me I was not in suffer while my daughter was in suffering great pain. This daddy was in suffer with her together with great pain. And that moment I learned something. I looked sky through the window and I said this, God, now I can understand better. While in this world, while we are suffering, you are suffering too. What a thought. I tell you, when we have this kind of love in, in our heart for the soul, we can preach plain speakings, reproof of the sins to heal the souls. Now, let me tell you something here. If I invite you to walk by at the time of Elijah in, in, the, in the village called Tishop, right? Is that what you, what you say? In Korean, we call it Tishep. How do you say it in English? Tishep? Tishep, right? Well, if I invite you to the Tishep, the small village, and just and if I invite you to walk with me by the, the room where the Elijah was praying, then you will be really stunned and shocked and surprised. Do you know what? Do you know why? Because the, the, the contents, the words Elijah was praying to God was so strange. Do you know what he prayed? He prayed this way. He goes this way. God of Israel, punish this church. Punish this church. Bring some punishment on this church. This church is going on in prosperity and apostasy. Do you know why? Because you still bless them. 
God of Israel, I'd rather want to see the revival and reformation in the church with the poverty than prosperity in the apostasy of the church. Oh, Father, punish them. And then maybe some of you will tell me like this, Pastor David, traitor, traitor, treacherous. How can you say that? How can you say that? But my friend, that's exactly what Elijah preached. That's exactly what Elijah prayed to God. You know what? If you read Prophets and Kings, that's all in here. I didn't make this up. You go and you read. See how and what Elijah White wrote in the Prophets and Kings. That's exactly what Elijah White said. And even Elijah White said, God answered Elijah's prayer and he stopped rain for the church for three and a half years. I was shocked to find out find about this. You said, actually, there was no rain for three and a half years for that church, for the, for the land of Israel, because of the answer to the prayer of Elijah. I mean, it, it sounds more like Elijah cursed the church. No, he did not. He just simply asked, Lord, stop the supply of blessings. So that people can realize Baal is not their God, but you are the God. They think they're doing this apostasy, and then they think this apostasy will bring them blessings. No, Lord, this is wrong. Do you know what I'm talking about? At this juncture, with the authority of the word of God, like I said, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm just plain pastor. That's all. But by the authority of the word of God here, I can tell you this. Sometime I would like to pray the prayer that, Lord, stop the supply of blessings to this church. Stop the blessing of the supply of the economy to this church sometime, Lord. Why are doing really contrary to the blueprint written in the spirit prophecy? Our church thinks they're on right track. You know what? There are many, many other people I met who feels same way like I do. Because of these prayers, I think God is going to cleanse and purify the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Do you know how He is going to do it? You know, if you do not understand this clearly, you will misunderstand the, the mysterious works of the Holy Spirit in the future. Because sometimes Holy Spirit works so mysterious way, uncommon way, which you did not expect. And there's a possibility the bankruptcy of Seventh-day Adventist Church could come, may come. In America, we have a big problem 
and hospital system. You know that. We call health system. Do you know what we did? We sent our young people to the Babylonian schools, trained them up as administrators for our hospitals. Do you follow me? And then they came out, and they want, to, they, they want a job. But they do not want to come to Adventist Hospital. Why? Because Adventist Hospital pays are, are no law. Because our principle, according to Ellen White, is what? Every worker in the church should be pay, paid equal. Do you know what I'm saying? Equal. Okay? Because we should not have competition spirit coming in because of the difference of wages. Everybody, workers in the church, should be paid equal. You know, but they changed. They began to pay ten times more than ministers to the well-trained young people came out from the universities for the administrators for the hospital systems. Yes, in our church, ten times more salaries. Can you imagine this? So that they can contain those profession, professionals, so that they can, we can run our systems in that, in that fashion. And then what happens? Our church hospitals prospered. They began to buy the hospitals one by one, began to buy those hospitals. And then now, all the hospitals in America now in big financial trouble. You know that. Because of the government government insurance policy. Oh, I'll tell you, our church and hospital systems have billions of dollars of debt now. Oh, my brothers and sisters, what is going to happen? And then, clever thing our church did. While ago, our church, our general conference, separated the organization of health system apart from our General Conference. So, in a way, they have a separate organization as a, as a health system. But you know what? If, this uh, uh, hypothetical, okay, if there's a possibility that our health system in North America can file the bankruptcy because they cannot pay even the, even the interest on them now for the debt. If that happens, do you think the court will say, okay, we'll just take it, okay, you know, that's okay, bankruptcy. Will they stop there? No, they will say, well, you actually in reality belong to the SDA church. Then rest of debts, let the SDA church pay for it. My brothers and sisters, that's a possibility. Then just most of our institutions can be wiped out. And then we will realize what happens. And say, Lord, you are the only source we can expect from, expect blessings from. And then our leaders, our people are going to be awakened. Lord. And then true revival, true reformation is going to take place. At that time, persecution may come together. And many, many tears, great majority, as Ellen White said, in Seal of God, read Seal of God chapter in volume 5 of Testimony. She said, great majority are going to go out from us. That'll happen. You know what? Before these things are take, going to take place in our church, there will be must a messages of more than Elijah's. God never does anything. 
before he sends his man to preach about it, to let them know. Oh, I have burdened about this. You know, the, uh, my time is up. I have to finish. I have a little more uh, material here, uh, but I, I, I'm going to have to just tell you just briefly here. When I went to Celebration Church in, in Corton, Los Angeles, you heard about them. Is there anyone who been there before? Would you raise your hand, please? Oh, no one? No one? Been there? Oh, you don't? <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, come to your church now? Well, <laughs> you're right, Tobin. <laughs> You don't, you don't go to such churches. You're right, exactly. I, I praise God for that. But you know, while I was holding a meeting, a Sabbath meeting in Los Angeles for Korean people, you see, our meeting was going to be held in the afternoon. So I had, I had a time in the morning. So Pastor, Pastor An, who is my colleague in our ministry, Pastor An and I said, well, do you think we can go? I said, well, you know, going there is, is, is really not good and, you know, you know, you know worshiping God in Sabbath like that. You know, but, but maybe we need a first-hand look, first-hand knowledge to, to warn and tell our people. That's why, okay, let's pray and go. That's why we prayed and we, we went. I, we watched. And uh, we could not stay a whole hour. That environment was, I, 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 you know, as soon as I stepped in, I could, I could tell. There was no Holy Spirit in the congregation. I could tell. I just could not stay whole hour there. Why? In worship service, they begin to dim the light. It becomes pitch dark, actually, when they play dramas. Whole dramas. That day was a memorial day. They came out with the flags of the, all the armies and, you know, navies and marines. They salute. Everyone, everyone stand and salute to the flags and army army flags too oh what a apostasy the singers who came up with i i never saw such short mini skirts with pink pink uh, coat on with the jewelry on with with uh so radish <laughs> lips i i just cannot describe like like oh what can I say? And then she sang, and she was, she was leading congregation to swing and dancing like this. And I watched everybody had, had a good time there, it looks like. And they even had a, well, this, this, well, have you ever saw a, a how to say it, a wave, wave thing, like stands, everybody stands here and sit down and stands here, it's a, a wave thing, you know what I'm talking about? What do you, a Mexican way. That's what they're doing in singing hymns in the church. I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, the apostasy in the, in the, in the church is real. Pardon? pardon? It's Apollyon. Appalling. I say, appalling. Well, anyway, when I saw that, I almost cried. I almost cried because I felt so pity for those souls. You know what, what really scared the most? 
Some people around me, while they were doing this, so abominable, no Holy Spirit at all, even though they had a small glass of roof right there in the center and having a mosaic picture of the dove symbolizing Holy Spirit coming down. They were having an evil spirit. And yet some people around me, they stood with solemn, sincere look toward heaven like this, praying like this. They thought they were receiving Holy Spirit while they were, they were receiving another spirit. The funny thing is this. You know, church as a whole body recognized this and then even encourage this and don't do anything about this apostasy. And yet they disfellowship people who speak plainly against this apostasy. That's what really bothers me, people. That's what really bothers my brothers and sisters. Why is this? Why is this? If this is not planned thing, why this could happen in our church? I don't know what happened, but I know now. You see, even in this church, they promote this, okay? 90-day money-back guarantee offerings. Have you ever heard such a thing before? Well, they say this, well, if you pay certain money to our church now, and then I'm sure God is going to double you up in, in 90 days. If He doesn't, this church is going to give your money back. Oh. When I heard that announcement, and I pleaded with God, Lord, you gotta, you got to do something about this for my people. You know, this is, is, a, is a plainly worldly business style by the enterprises. When our people are going to see and wake up, I would say, and even, you know, in the middle of, of, of the worship service, like uh, Brother Tobin said, there was a program like Garden of Prayer. And the, and the person invited people, if they, they are the people who, are, who, who wants to be prayed for, prayed on. Not they come and pray themselves, but by prayed on. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then they all come up. And about 300 people went up. I could say, just throng of people went up. There was a pack. The church was packed. At least about 1,500 people was packed, you know. And about 300 went up. And lay pastors, about five of them, were busy going around, laying their hands like this. And then one lay pastor who was, happened to uh, be sitting beside me, she explained everything what's going on. Because she thought I was amused. So she, she was trying to explain everything going on. She was excited, you know. She was excited for wrong reasons. Well, anyway, she said that, do you know what, what's happening in our church? You see, those people, we do not tell publicly, but we know between 300 and 500 people got healed in this garden of prayer. Oh, Lord. You know what? There are great Pentecostalism going on in Korea. I've been there, I went there, and I saw them, how they, how they pray, how they, how they uh, run the worship service. The place that I went to was exactly the same thing. Even though degree was less then, but it was exactly the same service and same spirit, same environment that I went to the Pentecostal church in Korea. 
What is happening in our church? Do we need more than this Elijah? When I, when I, you know, preach about this, some of our Korean people say, Oh, Pastor Kang, that's too severe, too plain. You don't have to, to say that. You are going to make enemies. Let there be enemies. When we speak a plain truth, if that makes enemies, so be it. That is the spirit and power of Elijah. Not because he doesn't care. Because he loved. He loved for the church and the soul. You know what happens? Elijah, he went to the Ahab, right? He got the word of the Lord. He went to Ahab. How he did? Did he send a letter and say, Oh, please, king, I got the message from the Lord for you. No. Did he even go and knock or get the the permission from the guards? No. When you have message and voice of the Lord, you don't have to. You just go and preach and tell. Of course, with meekness and lowliness of, of Jesus Christ, of course. Let me warn you about that too. But Elijah was so convicted with the message. He just, he just went like this. And the guards were guarding the post. Sir, sir, you cannot go in. But he went already. And then he stood before the king. And king was dumbfounded. What kind of person is this? I said, king, do you know what? Because of your, your apostasy, the apostasy of your family, God is going to stop sending rain for three and a half years. Well, goodbye. He just turned around and went. And Kukin said, Get the man! And he's gone, long gone. He was bold. I'll tell you what. I'm not, going, I'm not telling you about the manner of Elijah did. What I'm saying is I'm telling you about the spirit and the power of Elijah had and conviction of his spirit. His attitude and his, his uh, message he's, he, he's got from, from the God. That's what I'm talking about. We have to have it. When we present a truth to the people. And then, you know what happens. Elijah hid for three and a half years. And then he met Ahab. What did Ahab say, king? Oh, is that you who troubled Israel? Did, did, did Elijah said, oh, oh, king, I'm so sorry, like this? No, he said, king, no, king, oh, no, you got all wrong. You are the one who troubles Israel, not me. And he said, you gather all the principalities, all the people of Israel, and especially the prophets of Baal, to the Mount Carmel, and we'll see who is real God. On that day, Big cloud, big crowds were gathering around the Mount Carmel. And then, you know, the, you see, people were watching in between. They could not say anything. I mean, they could not take sides. You see, I knew now, I know it now, that most of the majority in the church, they do not understand and they are not brave enough to take sides. If someone comes and criticizes someone, and they will just join it. If someone comes and criticizes the others, and they will join them. They're like, like reeds in the wilderness. 
swinging back and forth. These are majority of the members of the church nowadays. I know it. At least in Korean church. I don't know about England. You see, that's why what, what Elijah, what, with burning fire from his heart, Oh, people, when are you going to take side? If there is God, take him. If well, well, Jehovah is God, take his side. In the time of emergence and crisis like this, now Elijah said, "Well, prophet of Baal, you pray first. And then they prayed. They prayed. They prayed. Sang, dancing around. No fire came down. What happened? Well, Elijah even mocked. See, if I mock, mock like this or ridicule, I mean, you would say, oh, pastor, you shouldn't do that. But, well, Elijah mock, mock, mocked. How do you do that? Well, you see, people, sing louder. Pray louder. Maybe your God went to the market or he's asleep. Do you know why this description is written in the Bible? Just because God warns us that we should not have any single pity toward the apostasy. When you see the sins and apostasy in the church, you love the sinners, but you do not show any pity whatsoever toward the apostasy in the church. That's why it was written in the Bible. For you, for, for, for I, for me. And then, everybody prayed. They cut themselves bleeding, but no fire came down. At this time, Elijah was watching, see if they, they're bringing a strange fire by themselves. He was watching, he was watching carefully, right? And then when he, his turn came, what did, what did he do? Very quietly, solemnly, he gathered, he gathered the stones. There was a 12 stones on the Mount of Carmel before. That was a place for art, altar for God of Israel. It was all torn down. And then he recovered, restored those 12 altar stones back together. And he knelt and he began to pray, Oh God of Israel, let these people know that you are real God of these people. You know what that symbolized? He prayed very solemnly and very briefly. Now, this can symbolize like this. You see, because bell worshippers, they prayed on wrong altar with wrong stones. That's why God could not send Holy Spirit fire to them. But Elijah gathered and restored the old landmarks of the church. True understanding of nature of Christ. True understanding of the overcoming sins. True understanding of the prophecy. True understanding of, of, of sinless life. True understanding of sanctuary message. True understanding of three and third angels messages. He gathered old, old landmark back together. And then he prayed. God blessed. He sent the Holy Spirit symbolized by the fire. Oh, my friends. We are expecting a big battle like on Mount Carmel. It must come to this church. It will occur, I know it. Maybe it will not happen like as dramatically, dramatically like it happened before. Pardon? Yeah, dramatically. Maybe it will not happen that way. 
But in some form of fashion, it has to come for decision for this church. Oh, my brothers and sisters, Elijah is going to come. But are you going to be ready to join and listen? This is my prayer for this morning. God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for the example and inspiration of holy men of God in days of old. Especially we are thinking of Elijah, which has, which has come and which is, is here and is coming. And may we have the grace and power in our lives to fulfill all your will in the closing crisis of earth's history. So be with us now as we carry on uh, during the remaining time of fellowship we have and keep us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.